Meaningless, says the preacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does a man get for all the hard work he's doing under the sun? Generations come and go while the earth stands forever. The sun comes up and the sun goes down and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows south and turns north. Round and round it goes. The wind blows and makes its rounds. All the streams flow into the sea, but the sea is never full. The streams return again to the place from where they've been flowing. Everything is a bore, more than anyone can tell. The eye can't get enough of things to see. The ears can't get enough of things to hear. What has been will be again. And what's been done will be again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything about which you can say, look, this is something new? No, it was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. Nobody remembers those who came before us, and even those who are yet to come won't be remembered by those who follow. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and explored by wisdom all that's done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has placed on people, huh? I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. I said to myself, look, I've grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who's ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to understanding to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and ridiculousness. But I learned that this too is like chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. I thought on my heart, come now, I'll try everything to find out what is good. But that also turned out to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and partied all the time. My mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of life we get. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves and flourishing trees. I bought slaves, men and women, and had other slaves who were born in my house. I owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I bought men and women singers and a harem as well. The delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, so my wisdom stayed with me. But what do I gain by being wise? It's all meaningless. So I hated life because the work that's done under the sun is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. I hated all things I, that I toiled for, for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool. Yet he'll have control over all the work into which I poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. 
So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who hasn't worked for it. This also is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? The guy who wrote that, Solomon, king of Israel, wasn't saying all that because he'd read it from some great philosopher or someone else. He said it from experience. He lived it. And you may be thinking, well, yeah, no big surprise there. You know, if you live high on the hog as he did with slaves and gold and silver and building everything for yourself, it's going to leave you with an empty feeling, isn't it? You're never going to have enough. It's all in vain. As Christians, I think we're, that we're accustomed to that message. We've heard it somewhere in the Bible, or we've just soaked it up by being in church all these years, that rich kings and those like them end up with nothing in the end. So good Christians, don't be like them. Doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible, set your things above and not on earthly things? I think we just heard that in the reading from Colossians. And yet, irrationally, we still chase after the wind. Look, I'm not privy to your bank accounts or your asset management or your estate, and I can't see into your mind when it comes to your lofty goals, your hopes, or delusions. I'm glad I can't. And you ought to be glad you can't look into my mind either. All I know is we've all experienced in some way The truth of this rule. All is vanity. All is meaningless. Except there's always an exception to the rule, isn't there? And the exception to this one is, all is meaningless except Jesus and the life that he won for us. And what a glorious exception to the rule it is. Look, You read Ecclesiastes all the way through, it's hard to find Jesus in these words. The whole scroll, the whole book is about everything being meaningless. I mean, Solomon was really having a bad day when he wrote that, or a bad month or a year, who knows how long it took him. But the whole thing is almost all the rule of law. But Solomon does hint, a little bit he hints, to the gracious nature of God where he reminds us the basic things in life like eating, drinking, working to make, a, to make a living and being satisfied from the things we get that are blessings from God, from a loving, providing hand of God. Those are there. It's in there. Can you imagine how more meaningless life would be if the basic things in life weren't from God? If we were completely on our own to clothe, feed, and house ourselves, how much more meaningless would life be? It's there in verse 24. There can be no enjoyment apart from God. For without Him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Even the unbeliever enjoys these things from God, though he doesn't know from whom these things come from. And don't get hung up on the next verse where Solomon makes it look like God rewards only the 
the good and makes the bad person a slave to the good? Remember, Solomon was under the old covenant. He had saving faith and trust in God, but in his time, he couldn't see yet that a person can be good in God's sight only when God declares him to be good through his the righteousness of his son, Jesus. Solomon couldn't see that in his day. Not only that, but go back to verse 21. Sometimes a man who's toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave all to be enjoyed by a man who did not toil for it. You know, today when a new CEO or president takes control of a company, it's usually to fix the problems of the CEO before him, right? And get the company back on track. But not always. When Michael Eisner stepped down as CEO of a Walt Disney Corporation, his successor, Bob Iger, enjoyed all the toil and labor Eisner had put in to bring in Disney up to the high quality that it still exhibits today. Must have been nice, huh? A CEO's dream jobs walk right in and stand on the work of all that's of all who's come before you. And you may think you can't relate to this. I know we're not all CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies, but and you may think you don't know what that's like, but think again. The man talked about in this verse is any man, and every man could be any one of us. A person works wisely and skillfully in his life, and what might happen? He retires and leaves the accumulated fruits of his labor to someone else who's nowhere near as smart, nowhere near as wise and industrious and hardworking as he. Yet come to think of it, isn't that precisely what the man, the God and man, Jesus Christ, has done? He spent his lifetime on earth toiling with wisdom and knowledge and skill. Since the time he was 12 years old, at least, we know that much. He toiled endlessly with wisdom and knowledge with the Pharisees to the point it seemed it was meaningless. They wouldn't listen to his wisdom and became even more hardened in their resolve to get rid of him. He went about the land doing good things for people, miraculously healing them. His behavior was above reproach. He worked hard to not fall into any sin. He was tempted for 40 days in the desert by the devil and didn't fall into any one of them. He kept his father's commandments perfectly. And all for what? What was the outcome? He left all to be enjoyed by a man who did not toil for it. He left it for you and me. Jesus accumulated his righteousness, the riches of God's love and grace, everything in his kingdom he accumulated, he gathered it all and built it, all that he built himself, and gave it to you. Gave it to us. We inherit it. You and I, and all believers, get all that we didn't work for. We didn't lift a finger for it. We couldn't, even if we had wanted to. How could you and I atone for the sins of the whole world, let alone our own? We can't. It's impossible. Jesus is the classic instance of a man who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill and has left it all to be enjoyed by you and me who did not toil for it. 
This good, that's good news, my friends. And it's a complete opposite of meaningless. Jesus Christ's death and resurrection for you that you may have life forever is the most meaningful thing in your life. It gives your life meaning. He gives you meaning. You were created to know Him and to make Him known. So, unlike Solomon, this preacher says, meaningful, meaningful. What does a person get for all the hard work Jesus did under the sun? Forgiveness, salvation, cleansing, righteousness, blessedness, life that lasts forever, new heart, new mind, new body, new earth, and more. We'll find out. We'll experience it. It's already started in our baptism, and we get a taste of it here at the altar whenever we eat and drink this meal. In Christ and with Christ, all is not in vain. Amen.